0: Welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber, the podcast where we talk about all the shit that your horse wants you to know and what you can do about it. Amber is a horse trainer and a personal results coach, certified in theta and Semitic breathwork. Shaylee is an animal communicator who also teaches communication, both knowledge seekers with the intention of sharing that knowledge and hoping that we can encourage the listeners to do the same. The day on episode number two that's just my face we are going to talk about emotions manifesting as expression and how those labels might affect you and your horse we also dive into navigating situations that are sometimes out of our control and a bit more so join us and if you like anything you hear in this episode please share spread the word and let's get ready to spill that tea
1: Hello, welcome to Tea Time with Shaylee and Amber. I'm Shaylee and this is Amber, and this is our second podcast together. Um, In the first podcast, we kind of covered a little bit about who we are, who we believe we are, um, and what we do. And we talked a little bit about just some, I guess, self-awareness when you're working with your horse, a little bit of herd-bound behaviors and a bunch of different things in between. And today we're kind of just going to allow this talk to go wherever it may lead us.
0: Um, as per normal. <laughs> yeah, as
1: per normal. Um, don't okay, expect. But I don't know yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I guess tying into the conversation that we had previously, someone had asked a question about how you could potentially emotionally deal with an animal who you feel is in a situation that they aren't happy in and you can't really do anything about it. Or when an animal tells you they're upset with things that you can't change for them, which I think is such a valid topic because a lot of horses are in boarding situations. And sometimes, you know, like horse care is personal. Everybody has like a personal way that they maybe believe that their horse should be taken care of. And I think it's really important to kind of um, really understand if you are looking at it from the horse's point of view, or if you're kind of feeling it from the outside in from a human
0: perspective, if that makes sense.
1: Do you have any initial
0: thoughts on that? No, I um, I think it's such a relevant thing, right? Because the majority of horses are not kept in situations where their humans have control of the environment. You know what I mean? There are some people that do have their own property and can, you know, decide how their lifestyle is according to their beliefs about how it should be. But I would say there are more people than not that have to have their horses in a boarding facility. And I know that's really rough in our area because we just had a boarding stable of like over 80 horses shut down and there wasn't a lot of places for these horses to go and I think that that's sort of happening in a lot of areas and um, and you are limited to your choices if you're going to have horses in your life you know what do you do about that that's um, it's a big thing
1: yeah so I kind of feel like if you're feeling like your horse is in a situation where things can't necessarily change I have horses that ask for, um, like multiple hay nets in their stalls. So sometimes the horses just can't get the turnout that they need. And they're like, okay, well, what if I have multiple hay nets so I can move to different places in my stall and it's not the same all the time? Um, sometimes I think one of the biggest things is socialization. And I, it's funny because people will ask me about like their horse's best friend and it's almost always a horse that's like five stalls down or like in a different paddock. And they're like, what? That horse is like not even interacting with him, but they communicate with each other, like through energy and through, you know, however they do it. And they want to see other horses than just who they're with. So I would say like the biggest things when horses are in a situation and you feel like there's things that you wanna change about them, You can soften it through hand-grazing them because that is one thing that almost every horse loves and appreciates, especially if they can't get a lot of turnout. Um, They want to be walked around the property. They want to like sniff the wheelbarrow and see the shavings pile and visit all the other horses. And that is actually something that doesn't happen a lot of the times. We get so routine oriented where we take them out of their stall or out of the paddock and go straight to the cross ties or we get on them. You know, maybe they get to sniff somebody and then you pull them away. Um, so it's really important for horses, like from a quality of life standpoint, just to be able to see different parts of the farm. Maybe you go down the hill that you don't normally go down, or, um, if no horses are in a paddock that is like empty that your horse doesn't get to go in, maybe they get to go in there for, uh, you know, an hour or two. I feel like there's a lot of things that maybe could happen that, that are just not like easily thought of, you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like if people can really look at it from that perspective of they are so much in control of what we decide for them, every move they make, you know, and I look at these horses and I'm like, wow, you guys are so kind to actually just go along for the most part, because you don't have to (laughs) like, and, um, just the idea of saying, yeah, I'm going to hand graze you and You know, if you want to stop and sniff the chair or sniff the table or sniff a new friend, you listen to the commentary from the people while that is going on. And it's so interesting sometimes. Yep, that's silly. That's ridiculous. That's the same chair. That's always it's hardly ever like fun and curious and like a game to the people. It seems like a lot of times it's this annoyance, like, don't focus on that. We're going here. It's such such a rigid thing, right? It's like the horsemanship land um, really drills in to have the horse stay with you and stay behind you or stay next to you or whatever you follow. And they can't look at anything else because then they're not focused on you as their leader. Or and I used to be that way, so I know that that's how it is. Um, and even in the round pen, I used to say things like, "Oh, if they look away, okay, get their focus back on you." Like, you, who am I to think that this creature with its own nervous system and its own <laughs> desire to live should only be staring at me like I'm that important? <laughs> like crazy. When we as humans don't stand and stare focused directly at, we're looking around, we're paying attention to our environment and still focused. So, you know, doing that, but then being aware of like the dialogue you have about when it's happening, um, about the horse. Cause I feel like our negative self-talk to ourselves affects us, but also it's interesting to hear how people talk to their horses when stuff like that is going on.
1: I know. And you know, what's so funny is I had like a hum, well, it's not funny. It was super embarrassing. Um, but I had like a, a humbling moment with one of my friends where I was like the same way. It's like practice what you preach, man, because I one of my horses is like super slow. He wants to sniff everything. And like some days I'm like, no, we're going to the field. And I'm like pulling him. And so I took a video for one of my friends and I, I wasn't like trying to mock him, but I was like, here's Biggie, the slowest one. We're just tootling around. And she like replied with like, hello, stinky muck tub, I love you. Hello, little brush. You are so prickly. And she was totally just like narrating like all the things that he was thinking in his mind. And I will say it like helped me so much. I was like, you're right. He is like, it's like a kid, how like a kid will like, Pick some like this computer mouse, they'd like pick it up and look at it and be like, wow, and look at the laser and probably stare at it directly in its eye and like, you know, just do like little cheeky things. And we're like, stop, put that down. Like, let's go when it comes to kids. And so they lose that little sense of wonder. And so now I have to like let one of my horses touch everything on my shelf. So now I like make it to where nothing breakable is on my top shelf and nothing that's going to spill is on my top shelf. And I let him knock everything off when I walk him out and just get to touch everything because they really do and just from like a an animal communication standpoint when horses talk about their stalls they show them they show what's across from them all the time so like if there's another horse i see that almost always if there's like a feed room i see that almost always or whatever so they pay attention to what's across from them and they have to stare at it all day and then when they get out of their stall they just want to touch it you know they just want to go over there and see what they're staring at and we're like nope come on you're going to turn out so i think like just from an environmental standpoint anyway, whether you have them at home or they're in a boarding facility, it's important to let them like explore. And yeah, like you said, have choice. And we've talked about that before, like in your master class, where um, just giving them the option of like walking in in a halter or with the lead rope around their neck, or maybe you let them choose what brush they want. Maybe they don't want to be brushed today and you don't force the issue. Yeah. Um, I think all those little choices are like, yeah, really, it's super important to them. Um, And I think it's important too, to like, notice your own triggers, because like, this is just spiraling off of like, biggie and walking super slow, is I realized how freaking impatient I was. And I'm like, why am I so impatient? I'm just gonna put him in the field. And then what, like, I'm done for the day. It's not like a big issue. Why couldn't I let him sniff around a little bit? But at the core of me was just like very impatient. And like, when I started to break that down, I was like, we're going to do what I want is what it felt like at the basis of that. And I was like, well, that sucks. Like, that's mm. kind of crappy for him. Like he hung out in this stall, didn't make a mess. Like, you know, it was like perfect in his stall all day. And then he gets out and I'm like, nope, we're still going to do what I want. Thanks for being in that box. But now I'm going <laughs> to put you in the field exactly the way I want to. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I always say, like, you know, like going back to like me always like going to the language, right, and to hear the conversations. People talk to—I mean, we talk verbally, talk out loud to our horses all the time, and how much information you can get about a the story you have about your horse, who is your horse, and I'll listen to people. I used to do this all the time at the beginning of clinics, like describe your horse to me as if it was a person. What would this person, a horse. What would they like to do? What would their personality be like? Like, what what sports would they be into? You know, and to hear people's description of the horses, if it was negative, it was almost always about their own stuff in some way or another. Like, oh, they're always stressed out about X, Y, Z, or and I could get a lot of information about who this person was by the story they were telling about their horse. Most of the time it was nothing to do with the horse, but it was our own projection, right? So being able to like pay attention to your own dialogue with your horse will give you a lot of information about yourself and it's not always comfortable, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but that's the point, right? It's like, can I take this information and can I go, okay, wait a minute, this isn't anything to do with them. Like, you know, it's like me thinking I'm so important. The horses all need to focus on me only when I don't even do that. Or you going, wait a minute, I'm actually just really impatient this is that the awareness piece, right. That helps and supports their quality of life where you can just like calm the hell down. Like, oh, okay. You can sniff all the things. Like, why do I care? (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's just super important to like, just kind of look at that from a non-judgment standpoint. I feel like there's so much like judgment and criticism in the equestrian world and like especially at boarding barns you know we all hear about the barn drama and actually I used to hear a lot of barn drama like from horses like horses saying dark-haired girl doesn't like the (laughs) blonde girl and like just like really feeling that energy like if there's like a I can't hang out with the white pony anymore because the people don't (laughs) get along um that like they really do some of them pay attention um and what's actually kind of funny is it's usually like the lesson ponies. Like I feel like um I have such like a I love lesson ponies because I just feel like they are so giving and what they do and like it really kind of it can be like a difficult job for them. But then some of them love it and some of like the little cheeky ones will pay attention to what everyone's doing. They know the personalities of every rider. Um so it's kind of funny how like they will kind of get in that energy, but just kind of going back to, um, like, I'm curious sometimes because people will say something about their horse and it doesn't feel true to the horse. Like the horse, they, they will say, the horse will be like, I'm beautiful. I have an amazing work ethic. And the person will be like, you know, this horse is super lazy. He's like a total kick ride. And I'm like, oh, wow. Cause that's not how the horse feels about himself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important just to like, Hold that same care with others when you see them interacting with their horses, because it very much is like a personal dialogue. And it would be cool if people who sees that who see that from the outside looking in, you know, if they could say like, hey, this is what I'm like seeing. I just feel like there needs to be more of like a um like a non-judgment aspect when it comes to to people and their horses. I don't even know if that ties in or if I'm making any sense, but.
0: Yeah, I feel like well, there's a lot. I mean, honestly, my barn's different because it's this culture that we've created here, right? But I'll go yeah. to other barns um sometimes and to do lessons or actually don't do that very much anymore. But when I did, it was so um shocking because <laughs> I would forget. I came when I first started training, I was at a barn. That barn that actually shut down it was huge. There were so many borders. A lot of people don't have trainers, there's multiple trainers it's like a perfect soup for like drama and chaos and there is so much of our own my way is the way and if you're doing it different then there's something weird about you you know so a lot of people like there would be people that didn't ride their horses at all right and they just had it like a giant dog you know why do you care why do you care if that person rides their horse Or not, like, why do we care? Um, you know, so having someone go, Oh, my horse wants to stop and sniff every single thing on the way to going to get brushed or whatever. You know, I think a lot of people would maybe hesitate to do that because they are worried about judgment from other people and going, Well, I don't want to look weird for letting you know my horse do this stuff that I know it wants to do. And it's like, What do you need to do? For yourself? What do you need to say? What part do you need to work out to where you just stop giving shit? Like that's the real work. Yeah. Like, I'm honoring my horse and what my horse really likes to do. And you should mind your business.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think that is like the biggest, that is probably like the biggest piece of like when people are worried about their horses and their environment because a lot of times if I ask the horse do you feel safe they say yes do you have friends they say yes like maybe it's not what we think would be ideal where every horse is in a herd situation or whatever but if they're at a barn they have a friend um And a lot of times, like, they just, you know, they're in the state of allowing, they can find the path of least resistance in any situation. And as long as they have turnout, and you know, their basic needs met, for the most part, they will tell me that they're happy where they are, if they're not being mistreated, you know, and and like the energy is good. But I feel like a lot of that comes from, um, or like a lot of the discord just kind of comes from that, like judgment and people not feeling like they can do what they want with their horses. I mean, I was there at a boarding barn where I just literally felt like I had to, you know, lunge and fit in and do all the things that didn't resonate with me. But yeah, and just kind of tying into that, I think um, just, just if there's anyone who is practicing animal communication or who is trying to just intuitively connect with their horses a little bit more, it is a big responsibility. If you say like, I'm going to listen to horses. I want to, you know, talk to them or hear them on a deeper level. You're not always going to hear the things that you want to hear. Um, and that's kind of why not everybody wants to do it. You know, like not everybody wants to be a farrier. Not everyone wants to be a vet. Well, it goes the same with animal communication because once you, can hear them you know what they're saying and they know that you know so if you're not honoring that there's like a big there's a big piece that comes to listening to your horses and knowing that you you know that you need to advocate for them so i think also if like you saw a horse, like if a horse deliberately looked unhappy in a situation rather than going from a place of judgment, maybe that's where you bring like education in and compassion and be like, you know, Hey, I learned about this and that might be why your horse is doing this. Like, I I wish that people would educate each other a little bit more from like a, a, like a kind place, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think it's the delivery. Right. And this is what I talk about. It's like, how do you feel about what you're saying? Right. So if you are Really judging the person. This idiot needs to know this information. Even if you say it in a nice way, they're still going to feel the judgment. So you have to work yourself into a place where you actually (laughs) don't feel, but just don't say anything at all. Right. But it's like, get to the core of I am actually feeling like I want to help and support this person and ask them, are you open to hearing something that I learned about that might help. Cause it looks like your horse, it just feels really similar to what this horse that I learned about, you know, different ways to deliver it to where it's not going to be met with defensiveness. But I think a big thing is not being judgy of the thing that you want to educate on. And then coming from a place of I actually love and care about the situation and maybe they don't know. And that's where I can be compassionate. And then I can ask, are you open to hear this thing that I have? It kind of feels like a good, you know, an idea that maybe will help you guys. Because I think a lot of people will, I know what I'm doing. You know, they want to be, because maybe they feel insecure. They know there's a problem. They don't know what to do about it. So if if someone comes to them and they can feel that kind of judginess underlying in there, it's going to cause them to be more defensive and then nothing's going to get (laughs) helped. And people are always just where they're at and they're ready to hear what they're ready to hear. And it may not be time, which is hard and uncomfortable.
1: Yeah, that is. And, and especially if the horse actually is in a little bit of distress and the person is not ready to hear the information, then I would just say to the person, you know, like if you can hear the horse and you feel like the horse is unhappy, just be like, Hey, I hear you. And, you know, thanks for being there for your person. And every horse has a core lesson for their people. And they, they know why they came here and what they're here to do. And, um, they don't take on as much emotion. I mean, they mirror us and stuff, but I feel like they just really don't like, they might take on things in the current moment and react to it. You know what I mean? But it's not like they are harboring a lot of their people. They're not just vacuuming it all in and like storing it and becoming, you know, miserable, (laughs) but Yeah, Yeah. actually, I noticed one of the questions was like from one of my clients and I talked to her horse often and she was like, why does my horse give me snaky face all the time? And it's funny because like we've I think we've asked him in the past and it's been, you know, it's sometimes it can be awareness for her. um, Sometimes it can be different things. But I was thinking of like just in general. what, And this is random. Sorry, this is a squirrel sort of. um, (laughs) But (laughs) I'm like, squirrel. I just thought about something, but it doesn't really mix. <laughs> um, but with the snaky face, it's like so many people can interpret, like, you know, when they pin their ears back and we snake their head out at you when you're walking past a stall. Mm-hmm. I have a horse that does that, and it is literally his way of engaging with me. Like, it's like a pot, like, he does not have any negative energy behind it. It's a positive thing. Um, I feel like one of the way horses engage the most with each other and with us is through biting. Like they love to bite. I have so many horses that just like, I freaking love biting. If I could choose a behavior, it would be that. Um, and we are kind of like conditioned to be like, biting is bad. Don't use your teeth. Don't even touch that. Don't touch the cross ties. And so the snaky face is like a little compromise, I feel like, but also um, it has to do with expectations. So, And I just got this the other day when I was talking to a different horse. He said that when, that he snakes his face at her every time he walks away, because when she comes to visit him, she gives him a carrot. So like at the beginning of their interaction, she walks into a stall, he gets a carrot, he does his job, he gets put away. So for a human, we would think, okay, I give you a carrot at the beginning of the day. This is how we're starting. Um, This two hours of interaction is like one continuous piece where the horse is not seeing the interaction as a continuous piece, you know, like they're kind of living moment to moment. And so they kind of have this, when you turn and, you know, you're walking past their stall, they're like, Oh, this is where I get my carrot. And then when they don't get that, but you know, they have that expectation and then they do the snaky face. And so I think it's important for people to kind of like have that in the back of your mind too, is like that single continuous time, like time, space, reality from a human standpoint is not how they are like they they are not like that. Like they have already mostly forgotten about your ride when they're like getting untacked and then they're in the cross eyes. <laughs> so that was kind of a squirrel, but it just like sparked my my memory because of just like expectations and how and perception, you know, like how s- someone would perceive a growth, Like they'll be like, oh that's an ugly face. People label that face ugly all the time. And I'm always like, oh that's like his cute little you know like it's not an ugly face
0: mm-hmm. I feel like that ties so much back into that story thing right is because I have a mirror. clover is like that she's been like that since she literally was weaned from her mama at like seven months old I picked mama up took her home back to her pasture left clover And the minis raised her. And so when I came, I remember coming back from the barn and being like, Oh my gosh, she's laying down. I have a baby horse, (laughs) Like such a clean slate. So excited. I'm going to pet you and love you. And we're going to be best friends forever. And um, and I walk into her stall and she's sleeping and I can still see it in the sunshine. And she pins her ears at me. And I was like, (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) But she, that's who she is. Like we, people walk through the barn and she sticks her head over. And I'm thinking in my head, I always say this, like at at, at a lot of boarding stables and whatever, you see horses like that and people will shoo them away or, you know what I mean? Because they're conditioned from, this is what we're, you know, breaking free from this horsemanship box of this is the way it is. Um, The ugly face, the aggressive, oh, she's being aggressive. That's our story. Like that's our story about what is happening, our perception. That's everything, right? That's like someone with a resting bitch face at the grocery store. Oh, that person looks miserable. Maybe that's just their face while they're concentrating or they're thinking about something serious. You know what I mean? It doesn't mean that that's their reality. So for her walking through, like she'll do that. And you walk right up to her stall and her ears go forward. And she's like, Hey, <laughs> like, and so that's, you know, that's like such a huge thing to remember. I think when we are telling stories about our own horse, or telling stories about a horse in the barn, like, is that actually true for them? Or are we like, spilling out our like projectory stuff all over them and making, you know, and if it is something where you're like, Oh, that horse is miserable. Look at his face. You're like, you're only make creating more suffering in your own life for being worried about the horse that maybe that horse is just his face. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: Yeah, definitely. And also just like not taking those emotions personally, because that is a lot of, discussion that I have in many of my sessions where um a person will maybe perceive that they have an issue with their horse and what it really comes down to is that their horse is exhibiting perfectly natural behavior in different scenarios and the person is for whatever reason finding um like a personal attack from it you know like they're just taking things personal if the horse doesn't walk up to the gate or if they walk away or whatever and it's not personal at all it's just like that's how they feel in the current moment.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I think that even goes back to the first episode when we talked about having like a daily practice, you know, let it be a practice where you're in your car before you get out at the barn and take a couple breaths, listen to a meditation in your car before you get out and figure out where you're actually at, because it's the same thing. It's like you can have like six or seven pretty annoying things happen to you in the morning Mostly because if one annoying thing happens, then you're just calling more annoying things in. And maybe we'll talk about that on another episode, (laughs) but those things (laughs) stack up and you get in your car to drive to the grocery store. I need to go to the grocery store. I brought the grocery store up so many times. Um, (laughs) And someone, you know, forgets to put their blinker on. And then next thing you know, they're like, they're rude and how inconsiderate and nobody in this town can drive. And then you just are still spiraling when really that poor person maybe is just having, having a really hard morning and they forgot to put their fucking blinker on. And you've made a whole story about how so many people are idiots with then in turn, inviting more suffering into your, (laughs) into your space. Um, So really separating and having those moments in between where you're like, where am I at? You know, did I have a rough morning? What do I want to show up? like here for my horse in this space for my long hello, you know, and then when you know where you're at, then you can decide on what is your capacity in the activities that you're actually going to do with your horse, you know, what what is actually going to be successful. And if you know you can't really unwind where you're at, then make us decision that honors the relationship and say today i'm going to give myself permission to just sit in the pasture and not even interact allow them to maybe come to me or even in the stall or the turnout or whatever um it's becoming aware of like where you're actually at and what you could potentially <laughs> potentially you know project all over everyone else you know get that straight before you even start to go out into like the real world outside of your house you know hopefully but especially out with your horse if that's what we're talking about
1: yeah cool
0: very good it feels like a really good place to con- close feel good to you do you feel yes confused? yes feels um
1: good.
0: yeah so if you guys had anything in here feel familiar to you and you want to share then please do so in the comments, like this episode, share it with your people. If you wanna learn any more about my programs, you can follow me on Instagram or Facebook or my website. Um, All of those things are connected to my website. So it's just my name, amberlydeck.com. Or you can follow Shaylee's stuff, Guided Voice on Facebook and Instagram. Um, And I guess that's it. It was really fun spending time. See you with next us. time. <laughs>